This is Scott Norton, and you're watching Pro Wrestling Night. All right, welcome to another episode of Pro Wrestling for Life, everybody. You know me, I'm Max Pac, and this is my co-host, Nick House. Hey, everybody. Yeah, welcome back to Pro Wrestling for Life. It is. It's me, Nick Houseman. That's Sean. Uh, this is a very exciting week, Sean. Pro Wrestling uh, was the number one thing on cable and network TV this past Friday. That's the first time that ever happens. This feels like a big kind of moment for pro wrestling that we're in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah it's, things are great. <laughs> Business is picking up. I mean... Okay. All right. Uh, I, guess- I mean, it's not like I mean that's not the first time that's happened, right? Like, I mean, no, I don't believe that's ever happened. That pro wrestling has been the number one thing on cable and network TV on the same night, on oh, the, on same, the night. same night. Okay. Yeah, on the same night. Yeah, you know, this is a new record here that got set this past Friday night with AEW on, you know, TNT and Fox with with SmackDown. So, anyway, yeah, but wrestling's not really in a boom or anything. Yeah, of course not. Right? Why would anybody create that narrative? Uh. Well, uh, thank you all so much uh, for joining us this week. We got a huge show for you guys. Of course, in the house here today, uh, a member of the NWO, a prolific arm wrestler, bear wrestler, that comes up in the interview later. Uh, Scott Norton in the house here today, uh, talking to Sean and I. Love this interview. Really great. Just getting to catch up with Scott Norton, Sean. It's Scott Flash Norton, Nick. <laughs> I almost called him Scott Flash Norton, but I didn't know how you'd you'd feel about that if you'd make fun of me or praise me. It sounds like I'd have got Bam! You. Scott Flash Norton. Yeah, okay. Well, Scott's yeah. here. And then later on after I know it's Scott for like you know, you know, we talk about it in the interview, and I talked about the interview in the conversation. Sure. Uh you know, I talked about it too when I had him on my other show, but man, um you know, I met him in eighty nine it was still eighty nine. I know I was I was still seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and oh my God, man, it was just like this, it, it was just amazing, man. And then I'd been around the industry for a long time, Nick. Yeah. You know, uh, well, all my life, you know, since I was a little kid and yeah. seen a lot of big dudes, a lot of impressive dudes. And I just, had never seen anybody like that in my entire life. <laughs> and he had this, and he was clean shaven. He had this big chubby cheek, baby face, red face, like. Like, it was just, but he was just, oh my God, man. Was that cool for you? Like having that connection, getting to be part of the NWO with Scott, did that like make it even cooler for you to be able to walk around and act like a badass to Scott Norton? Oh, it just, it just felt good because of the connection because, um, you know, um, I ended up being a North Minneapolis guy, you know? Sure. Um, and so like I, I had in that neighborhood and, and I was proud of it, you know? And, uh, um, you know, we had a lot of the same friends. The best man at my wedding is one of Scott's best friends. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, they went to wrestling camp together. And, uh, just uh, so, yeah, man. Like anytime I could be around Scott, like uh, you know, whether it was in Japan, like my Super Junior tournament uh, in '93, I was over there. Scott was too, and you know. Um. Anyways, yeah. Fucking Scott Norton, man. <laughs> Scott, Scott Norton here today. Yeah. Obviously means a lot to Sean. You guys they don't like- make them like Scott Norton, man. Like he they're just I don't mean to sound like cliche with oh they broke the mold after him, but like they're just there are not cats like Scott Norton. Okay. Anymore. All right. Uh Scott Norton, ladies and gentlemen. You'll hear him here in just a little bit. And at the end of the show, after Scott, uh welcoming on a friend of mine here, Sean got to know a little bit more. 
He's going to play a game against him as well called Show Me the Money. Uh, it's Forbes' Alfred Kanoa. Uh, I got the impression uh, you enjoyed this talk with Alfred about the business of professional wrestling, kind of the state of the business of professional wrestling, a lot more than you anticipated. You seem to really get into this one, Sean. No, I just hadn't, I didn't know. I just being honest with you, Nick, I didn't understand. I didn't even know what, you know, I didn't even know Alfred was from freaking Forbes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I didn't, I just read the run sheet and, you know, so it caught me off guard a little bit and it was, it was a real fun uh, conversation for me just because I like talking business of wrestling. Uh, I was always an information guy when I was coming up and like information is power. Nick. like all those numbers, like I knew the ratings and people made fun of me for it, Sure, you know, but I knew the ratings. I knew the gate, the live gates. I knew like all that shit. I knew the pay-per-view buy rates. So I knew like what we should be expecting for a payoff, you know? Um, and, and so like talking to Alfred and uh, and that, like, there's not a lot of people that you can have a, you know, a, a real intelligent conversation with that shit about. So yeah. I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, for sure. Alfred, we should have Brandon Thurston here from WrestleNomics on sometime. You'd probably enjoy him as well. He's got a lot of graphs about the business. It's all Look, graphs. Charts. 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 Charts and graphs about the business. Um, well, uh, with that all out of the way, uh, before we get into some news, I want to let everybody know. Uh, a little bit of a change. Uh, for the time being, uh, we're going to get rid of the Patreon. Sean and I just really don't have time to make that Patreon really, I think, what it should be. But we do enjoy a lot of the content we get to make there. And so we're just going to we're just gonna let everybody be a part of this now, right? So we have a di- so the Patreon is done here for the time being. That's not to say we won't bring it back here in the not-too-distant future in some form. But the Discord is now free and available. So if you want to join uh, a private server that Sean and I are both a part of, share your thoughts about Raw or whatever, we have a, a Discord. The link will be up over on our social media feeds here by the time you're listening to this. And uh, we're going to have a website up here pretty soon, too, that you'll be able to uh, go check out the Discord as well. Watch-alongs, mailbag segments, all that stuff used to be behind the paywall. It's going to be free. It's going to be over on YouTube.com slash XPOC. You guys are going to be able to engage in that stuff directly. And now we get to do cool stuff. Like if you go buy a shirt from our Pro Wrestling Tea store, uh, maybe you'll get invited onto the show. I did that just. Uh, I did that just this morning, Sean. Uh, somebody bought a shirt over the weekend. Maybe they're going to play a game against you next week. You know, and that's sure. how that works. Yeah, and I also have some, uh, you know, just friends like that. I wouldn't have maybe necessarily just had a reason to get them on the show, maybe to play the game. You know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah this a lot of a lot of colleagues of mine. I would like okay. battle. Okay, fair since enough. I, since I'm so bored. With destroying all of these other people that have played the video game or the video game, the, the game, game show. Whatever. Yeah, I for mean, sure. it's like Alfred, you know, I just destroyed him. Oh, did I, I didn't mean to. Whoa, 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 whoa. And by the way, is he right? Is he wrong? We're going to find out. Game show happens later on the show. Anyway, we and we're still we're going to offer an ad free audio version here uh, very, very soon as well. So it's not like you won't have access to some of the stuff we have been doing, but uh, it's just going to be framed a little bit differently, but honestly, thank you all so much. We've seen a, a big boost in uh, viewership and engagement here uh, over the past few weeks, and we're going to keep this gravy train rolling. We're going to give you guys more pro wrestling for life content. You're absolutely going to love it. All right, let's talk about the news, news you can use, news that'll leave a bruise, Sean. Talk about leaving bruises in the world of news. We're recording this late on Tuesday, and uh, the whole wrestling world got lit up last night during Monday Night Raw. 
uh, because there was the belief that things broke down in the Charlotte versus Nia Jack, Nia Jack's match, and that this thing became a shoot. Uh, what are your thoughts on what everybody thinks happened on Monday Night Raw last night? If anyone thinks that a shoot, that was a shoot, they do not know what a real shoot looks like, and that's the. the thing. I mean, I'm not look, Nick. I'm not okay. saying okay. I'm not saying that there weren't maybe a miscue or, you know, something that, you know, might not have went right out there. Uh, that happens a lot, you know, some people sure. more than others. But, um, yeah, to say that, oh, this is a shoot and this and that, and, uh, like, and that, like, she, the way she threw her down, like, she threw her down flat. Yeah, it, right. It's it, not it, like she dumped her on her head. Fuck out of here. I mean, yeah. it, like, there was some, it was aggressive. Yeah. It was aggressive, but I hate, man, if it was two guys out there, I don't think we'd be having this fucking conversation, Nick. Really? I Really? Really? You really? don't think, because it, look, I mean, like, the thing about it for me is, uh, I'm with you, by the way, I, I think for a lot of reasons, they had, they had a reason to do something like this, but, um, you know, there was the breakdown in the rhythm. You know, wrestling fans are conditioned to a WWE match kind of looking and feeling a certain way. The cadence and a, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you start going for a headlock and then Nia's just standing up straight and then you're just kind of pushing into each other and going for these weird kind of half Samoan drops. I mean, it certainly doesn't look clean and polished like the style. You know what I mean? That doesn't, that doesn't mean it was a shoot, Nick. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm uh, not but, saying you are, but some people are, and some people are, like it's just okay. Okay, I'm 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 almost a thousand percent sure everybody was just fine coming okay. out the other end of that. Okay, because Mick Foley tweeted out that he he was like WTF happened between Charlotte and Nia there. I don't know, maybe trying to I don't know. Mick seemed to think that it was weird what happened. So I didn't say it wasn't weird. Okay. So why would you do that if it is if it is a work right and it wasn't a shoot? Why why would you do something like this, Sean? What would create be a, a buzz, Nick? To do yeah. to what we're why we're why are we why are we talking about it right now? Uh, because everybody seems to think yeah yeah right yeah we're being fucking it's like fucking Geppetto. <laughs> okay. I mean, it. and people don't like to be worked. People don't like to admit that they've been worked. Okay. Fucking, some people just hate it. I personally love it. Sure. Like anytime I you can work me and fucking fool me, man, do it all day long. <sighs> Dude, I, I, had, I had to watch the Nia Charlotte thing like three, four times because there are little bits where like Nia kind of dumps Charlotte in a way where it looks like she fell on her head. And then like, you know, that stiff slap. Did she fall on her head? Uh, not really. It was the no, top of her shoulder. Not, not, not really. She yeah, did. She did. She fell on the top of her shoulders. Right. You know. I get, I, yeah, you know, but they did a great job. Certainly got a lot of people mm -hmm. talking about it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about people, uh, workers, wrestlers at WWE. There's another story out there. Uh, maybe oh, some people are going to fucking take so much issue with that. Everything I just said, but like, what are you talking about? Fucking bring it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, uh, you know, cause just how the nature of people uh, these days. Well, no, people. Okay. All right. All right. If I say what? black, somebody's going to say white. Okay. If I right. say, you know, you know, you know, how people are. I got you. All right. One more news item. <laughs> one, more, one more news item I want to get your take on here before we throw to Scott Norton. All right. People, there's reports now out there that WWE is moving away from independent talent 
in favor of raw athletes that they can mold and that they're no longer really looking at independent talent. What, what are your thoughts on the reports out there about this? Um, I, it's not altogether true. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's just, they're not going to focus Nick, on, yeah. on as much on independent talent, but bro, if you, if you seriously think for one second, that there's going to be somebody creating a huge buzz on the independent scene that they're not going to fucking be interested in you out of your mind. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Right. You know, because I mean you, but I mean you as in whoever the fuck, you know what I mean? Well, because again, like, you know, being caught in the pro wrestling uh, conversation sphere, you know, a lot of people point to how like that was true for like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and, those guys, that's kind of blowing up in Vince's face right now when you take these guys that like actually understand the business and understand the value of their character and things. When the time comes, maybe they'll fly away. Dude, look- that boiler room fucking Jeff was perfect. That what? The boiler room Jeff. That fucking Tony gone. Oh, wait. Well, I didn't see this. What did okay, he do? Never mind. I, I'm not going to go into explaining the whole fucking okay room and they get never mind just forget it okay now, well whatever that's fine you know you know i i will go find it and let's if yeah. you don't know what he's talking about like i don't you go find it out afterwards but there are people out there that are like saying you know you look at the model of indie guys they brought in versus you know Rod- okay i'll explain it to you real quick all right the boiler room scene where like they they're interviewing a bunch of potential uh traders and, oh, and they the- go uh the dude already has his deal he's already we don't fucking we we create new traded. We don't fucking we don't hire. It, it was basic. Anyways, whatever. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't that from a movie called Boiler Room. I saw the I saw the gif or whatever. Right. We don't hire traders. We create traders here. Right. Yeah. Because you do, and you look at the other side of the coin, and like talent, raw talent that they've signed, Brock Lesnar's, Kurt Angles, and stuff mm-hmm. have been really big business for them. Right. Andy I've, Orton. Well, he's a legacy, right? Because like, you yeah, look, but still, like, ne- he never went to the independents. Well, but that it's I don't I I don't want to say anything. I don't want this comment. What I'm going to say to be dismissive, but it is easier, I feel, to be a high highly trained athlete and get into the business if you already have somebody in your family that has had a good track record of working for the business. That's just you know, yeah, you can get in it. it doesn't mean you're going to be successful in it. I agree. I agree. But yeah, but people with no independent background, you know, John, John Cena did work the Indies, right? Oh bit, yeah, totally. You know? He's yeah. A, he, no way he's not an independent guy. Okay. But there is, you know, there are some big names that have had this background here and uh, you know, it, it, it is interesting to think about how like, because they're focusing, like they still, like you say, if there's a big indie name, they'll pick it up. But the fact that more of those indie names could populate an AEW and WWE starts to look like this land of, purebred giant athletes yeah it is it, it's a different kind of feel you know mm-hmm. yeah. anyway yeah yeah this episode of pro wrestling for life is brought to you by every plate yeah everybody experience full plates and fuller wallets with america's best value meal kit you're going to get your meals that you enjoy and your bank account is going to love delivered uh is going to uh, love delivered right to your door contact free i mean think <laughs> of it this way one meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of coffee. That's got- crazy. Oh, dude, it's super cheap. And like, here's the thing: what I like about every plate is like when you get this stuff, the meat is like it's like in this really nice, cool 
kind of gel like packaging at the bottom. So you get it and it's fresh. And on top of that, they've got all the vegetables and the spices and stuff that you're going to use for your meals. And, you know, I cook a lot, um, but I cook a lot of like Midwest stuff. I do like steaks or I'll do, you know, baked chicken. I can do like Brussels sprouts, but I don't really get too adventurous. Like what I like about every plate is that they're going to send me stuff I get to play with. I can do Mexican food sometime. I can do Asian food sometime. I mean, stuff that I would never independently go out and want to try myself, Sean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. So uh, you can try every plate <laughs> for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering the code PROWRESTLING199. That is so crazy. $1.99 a meal. And it's good. And they're man. good meals, right? It's insane. Really, it's really good. If you like to cook, Sean, not really like. Uh, I do like to cook, Nick. I just you, like doing my own thing, man. You do your. I, I love to cook. I love challenges. I love escape rooms. This is my style. I love being sent these meals and getting to like try all these different things. So you could get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off another two weeks by going to everyplate.com and entering that code pro wrestling one nine nine. Wow. Yeah. So thank you all so much. That's up to a hundred dollars in value. And we thank you every plate for sponsoring pro wrestling for life. Yeah. Again, thank you for sponsoring pro wrestling for life. Every plate. This episode of pro wrestling for life is sponsored by Roman. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay, Nick. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash xpoc now. Yeah, and with Roman, you're going to get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional, will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it's going to ship to you free, two-day shipping, straightforward, discreet packaging that doesn't say, here is my ED pills on the outside of the box. Very discreet. Very discreet. Yeah, the, the shipping is free, not the medication. Yes, yes, yes. The shipping free, and your neighbors don't know, hey, look, there's Nick's uh, box of ED pills sitting on his uh, uh, front porch. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh. What am I missing here? Well, you got to get started, and it's simple. You got to oh, go to getroman.com slash xpoc and complete an online visit. You know, you're going to take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. And you get $15 off your first month. Did you already yeah, say that? that? Yeah, well, no. I mean, but it's worth repeating. You're going to get $15 off your first month if you go to getroman.com slash xpoc. And you can also get... $15 off your first month, Nick. That's right. And it's worth repeating. You can get $15 off your first month if you go to getroman.com slash xpoc. That's getroman.com slash xpoc. Thank you, Roman, for sponsoring Pro Wrestling for Life. Man, yes, sir. I. I vividly remember the first time I met you and you were 350 pounds, Scott. And 
I, it was just an awe, man. It was that you remember that guy Dale Gagner, the promoter, Dale Gagner in, in Minnesota. He had a little spot show like that. He yes, stole, I do. He stole a bunch of shows from Vern, and like I was on one of the shows, and you came, yeah, you came there, and, and I just was just in awe of you. Dude. I couldn't even believe it. And you were such a nice guy, dude. Like, I mean, just a. I, I was just so like in awe of you from the first moment I met you, Scott. I'm, I'm marking well, out you know, Scott right now. <laughs> we're, we're Jack back then. We're, I mean, I, that's when I was trying to be the world arm wrestling champion. And I mean, there wasn't a week went by, man. I wasn't repping six plus on the bench and squatting. Yeah. And I mean, I was a madman. And, you know, I had a goal. I, I had, a you know, the world titles, something I really wanted to obtain. And I, and I wanted to bury Cleve Dean. And that's, I did, you know, I was the first guy to do it. And, uh, but you know, pro wrestling came after that. Hey Scott, what I what I'm curious, and I've never asked you this. Um, probably some other people have though. Uh, besides yourself, who who and who in the wrestling industry was the best arm wrestler? And maybe take well, out Rude. Uh well, Rude Rude was a, a freaking okay. Put it this way: if Rick would have stayed arm wrestling instead of uh -huh. gone on pro wrestling, he'd have won a world title. For one, he had he had it. Yeah, tennis straight up the ass. And we both know Rick. He was more stubborn than anything. The dude is just going to do what he has to do to win. He wanted to be Rick. the best at everything. And I mean everything. Everything. I'm, everything. yes. Everything. <laughs> very competitive. Very, very yeah. competitive. I love that dude, man. And, uh, but, uh, uh, Bubba. From uh, God, why am I? You know, yeah. you start getting older, you start forgetting shit. Bubba Ray, you know, yeah, Bully, Bubba, and, Bubba Dudley. Yes, yes. Holy shit, really? That doesn't surprise me, but he's no, a big but, strong dude. <clears throat> oh, he's a freaking more than a big strong dude. But yeah, he uh, he knows a guy named Dan Carr. Dan Carr was a, a generation before me. He was a sit-down world champion. Stud, just a yeah. somebody that I respect a great deal, and uh, Dan trained Bubba. Yeah, Bubba was a a badass, and uh, he he uh, he knows the sport. You know, I was gonna pull at Bubba. I was gonna make a point of just seeing what he had. Yeah, but by the time we see each other, we just have a black. He's one of the my favorite guys in this business. You know, because he's he tells it like he is. He's real. He does. <laughs> you know, direct as hell, and I love that about people. I don't need to be sugar coated up, and you know, and um, yeah. that's what you know. And I remember he was working all Japan, I was working New Japan. It didn't freaking matter. Every time I go to the gym, you signed a little thing that when you go into the gym, Bubba's already there and gone. I could have got up at four o'clock in the morning, he'd have been there and gone. <laughs> We we never ran to each other in the gym, and I never got there before. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of this thing that we've had going on for about 20 years. Yeah. Kind of, I guess that doesn't really matter, but no, but he was good. <laughs> and then uh, I, I haven't met anybody. You know, I guess Big Show might if somebody showed him how to do it, could have been pretty pretty strong. But yeah, obviously though, right? I mean, Jesus. Well, he's you know he's. He's a good athlete for one. He's got unbelievable tendon strength. Yeah. I mean, the dude I was working working him in the Tokyo Dome, 
And I was working, you know, which I don't do usually is I'm working the freaking arm and he kept up. <laughs> and when he kept up, he was so happy that he did. He just stood there like a big idiot looking at me. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and he won, so I just headbutt the shit out of him. <laughs> no, but I mean, he's that kind of an athlete, you know, yeah. and, and a monstrous hand. And, you know, so he could have probably been, if he'd have learned. But Bubba's a trained arm wrestler. He wow, knows man. I did not know that. Never uh, heard he, it. He never talks he, about it. Nothing. Oh, he don't. Uh, I'll be damned, oh, Bubba. Dude, I mean, if you've got if you've got technique, I mean, I I what little I learned at WAL, I definitely have already tossed a couple of my college friends, and it's a lot of fun. Like a, a top roll is a weird looking thing, but it's very effective. You know. Hey, you know, and that's okay. I always attack the hand. If I wanted, I'd have been hell in a top roll. Believe me. Yeah. You know, when I left the sport that I loved, I absolutely loved it. There, you know, there's no question I was the number one guy in the world, and the next guy was in the other room. He went in the same room, brother. And I'm not kidding you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Lupkis, Berzink, the top guys, all the, you know, and I mean, I was toying with Johnny and, it, and I was just using the power. If I, if I started using my hand strength more and top rolling and all this back power, I, I could have, I know it had been pretty gnarly. Uh, well, I talked. To, I, I know I talked to you like two, three years ago uh, about possibly coming back to WAL, and you were telling me, I believe at the time, like you felt uh, only comfortable pulling. I think it was left. You couldn't pull right. Something no, like, that. yeah. No, I only pull right-handed. But okay, it was one or the other. I remember. Yeah. You know, I I started training. I got. All, I mean, I got every gimmick that they got out there. All the wristbands and all the wrist ball, wrist max. I got. I bought them all. I love it, and I. You know, I putz around in the gym, but it's, you know, my shoulders, it's just, it's trash. And that's just where I'm at. You know, uh, if, you know, I wanted to, cause I wanted to come back and pull Berzink, you know, cause I, I, I beat Berzink three times and then I left, you know, and I know John went on to be the best arm wrestle ever. I mean, dude's insanely good and he's gotten better and better and he's, you know, think about him. The dude man's up. He he goes get and he he'll fly to different countries because he can. You know, with that, you know, he his job. He worked with the uh, the airlines. I mean, he, free tickets anywhere. Oh, yeah. And he used. I mean, he he went to Russia. He went to all these foreign countries, Bolivia and everything, and and sought out the best arm wrestlers in the world and beat them all. And I mean, he pounded all them, not, not pounded them, but he did them in rush. I mean, these are some badasses, man. And I mean, Johnny was the real deal. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to come back and do a super match with Johnny. And uh, it didn't happen, you know, because. Ah, hey, was there, was there money in it back then? Uh, not or just for the love of it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, after the, over the top, I came out of there with about 20 grand is all. You know, it wasn't wow. life changing or anything. Right. But, uh, 
you know, it, it was just different. You know, I remember Virgil Arciero was kind of like, he, 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 he didn't pull. It was towards the end of his career. And Virgil was one of the greatest of all time. And he was kind of coaching me through this thing. And uh, all the way through this tournament, you know, and it lasted way into the morning. There's so many competitors. And uh, I finally beat Cleve. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was he was so happy. He was just jumping up and down. I mean, it's like he won. And all of a sudden he says to me, he says, just imagine all that money you're going to get. And I went, and I forgot. I didn't even think about it. It didn't cross my mind. I was just focused on taking this guy out. And, you know, there's a backstory to what happened between Cleve and I. And, you know, when I first pulled him in Detroit years ago, Mean Hawk went there. And that's the first time I met Cleve Dean. And I, I got him in the second round. And he just crushed me. But he laughed at me. And he blatantly laughed. And Hawk went nuts. And he said, you had to come back through the back door and get him, you know. It was double elimination tournament. So I did. I got through the back door. And he did it again. And he laughed again. So after that day, man, there was nothing I wasn't going to do to beat him. And I kept getting closer and closer. And I pulled him. He beat me five times before I finally got him. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I do miss that sport, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, it's different now. I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not like it was, you know, when we were rolling, but, you know, and I'm sure it's everybody adjusts to it and everything, but I wish I, I do wish I could have gotten healthy enough to give John a shot because I know he just made a comeback against some chase kid. I don't know, chase something. Do you know what, did you see that match? No, I no, I didn't. Yeah, the kid. I then I found out the kid was a national amateur, and nobody like that's gonna mess with Brzezink. I mean, it just—he's too good. Hey Nick. Yes. Sir. Hey, have you have you ever heard about the time that Scott fought the bear? I have not. <laughs> I have not heard. Ass? <laughs> I. I, I the only person I ever heard of that beat the bear. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, I had him, I had him going. So what, what happened? When were you fighting a bear? What, what was? Tell me this. Okay. Yeah. Back in Minneapolis, I'm hang, I'm at home. My phone call, a couple of buddy, buddies of mine says, "Hey, Scott, man, we're going to the the Minnesota Sports Show today. You want to come with us?" I says, "Hell yeah!" You know, I was in all that stuff. So anyways, we go there and we're going through all the exhibits and, you know, checking out the fish and stuff and hunting and stuff. And we're there for four or five hours. Finally, it's about 730 at night. And they want to go watch the, this big show they had. And I'm going, you know, that part of it I really wasn't into. They says, come on, man, you know, just do it. So as we, they, they talked me into it, you know, and we're drinking beer throughout the day, you know, eating, having a good time. So anyways, they come out with these retrieve, you know, these golden retrievers doing these crazy retrieving of ducks and all this stuff and a fly fishermen and skeet shooter guys and all this. Then all of a sudden they roll, they, they bring this barrel called Victor the Bear. And they said there's three, three 
people in the audience are that are signed up to wrestle Victor the Bear, and I just I turn to my buddy, I says, "There are three fucking idiots because this bear's." <laughs> So anyways, the lights went down, they introduced the first guy, and they put spotlight on him, he jumps up, he's all happy and shit like that, and all of a sudden, then they introduced the second guy, and they they put the spotlight on him in his seat, then they introduced the third guy, and all I remember is I can't see nothing because of the spotlight, <laughs> and it, it, my name, Scott Norton. And I remember looking at the two dudes. I says, after I'm done with this fucking bear, I'm killing you, cocksucker. <laughs> That's it. And the place is going nuts. So, anyways, I go down there. And the thing about it is, I'm, you know, we're, you know, 25 rows up, say. Every step I took, that bear just kept getting bigger. <laughs> and I get in that ring and I'm looking, I, I mean, this is looking up the, way past the giant. And I'm just going, oh, for God's sakes. So I was the third guy to go. And back in Minneapolis, I had a reputation of being a brawler and pretty tough guy and everything. And the other two guys that are wrestling this bear were, they shouldn't have been wrestling. A, they shouldn't have been there. So anyways, the first guy goes. The bear comes walking up to the first guy, drops down to all four, walks up, leg sweeps him, and covers him. So I watched it. I go, huh? You know, it wasn't even a struggle. Just it's funny. He did the same thing with the second guy. So I mean, I I saw what he did. So I was, I'm getting ready to wrestle, and the place is going pretty good. You know, they're kind of thinking this might be something. When when Victor the Bear dropped down, went the leg sweep me. I sidestepped him, hooked him around his head, and came underneath the <laughs> and hooked him. Now I got this bear underneath his arm and his head, and I got these locked. And I mean, I'm jacking on this son of a gun, pulling back, and I—I I mean, I was strong as hell. And you could actually see the bear kind of like coming up, but then it was then the rodeo started, brother. He got hotter and hell, <laughs> and he stood straight up. But when he stood up, I got a better grip on him. Now I'm really locked in and I'm taking him and I'm almost turning him and going and he stood up again and I still got this lot and I'm 350, 340. And I mean, this bear standing up like I'm as a little kid getting riding on his dad's shoulders, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so he goes down and now I, I honestly thought I was going to choke the bear out. I mean, I, and I am dying tired. He stood up again, and he swung his head around so much, I just went flying. Wow. And I land. Boom. And when I rolled on my side on my back, trying to get my composure, Victor's right on top of me. And they had a ring and a muzzle, because he had the muzzle on, because he still has teeth, but right. no cause. And he's standing on my chest with his big pause and he's pissed shit out of me with his nose just pounding me boom boom and, uh, and, you know the ring that held the leash to his that they brought him out on I had perfect ring marks all over my face <laughs> and 
the trainer couldn't get the, the, the bear off me, you know, so everybody's trying to get Victor off me. He started dragging me towards the water because <laughs> they said he was going to drown me. And I'm going, holy shit. So anyways, finally they get Victor off me. My buddies come down. Go, oh, that was great. I, I was too tired to kill him because I wanted to. I'm not kidding you. Hey, who was it? Do I know him? No, no. Okay. And I, I put him over. I told him I didn't put him over my book, and I never said <laughs> in, in an interview, and I will not. One's name's Jim, and the other one's Rick. They know who they are. Uh-huh. So anyways, the next year, you know, I mean, I was half lit when I went in there Russell Victor and, you know, drinking beer, eating. I wasn't ready. You know, I mean, it was... Yeah, you know, when so I went back like a man. You went back for a rematch, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like with fucking Cleve Dean. I didn't beat him, so I gotta fucking come back until I beat yeah, him. Oh, you know, so anyways, I go back and and I talk to the trainer, and he says, "Brother, you don't." Or he didn't say, "Brother," you know, that's what we say in the business. But he said, "Dude, you don't understand." He said, "I had to pull Victor out of about three shows." I says, "Why?" He says, "You drove that bear fucking crazy." Wow. He's, Remembers you, he'll kill you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was that damn serious, but <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. And you know, I, wow. I mean, I honestly, it was you know, for a second I thought I had his ass. I really did, but that he was far too strong. I mean, it was that's insane, man. It was crazy. You know, and I, the thing about it is, you know. You know how nutty we were when we were younger back up there? I went back. Yeah, and I, that's so crazy. And I think about, what the hell would I go back to do that for? <laughs> because, like I said, fucking pride, like the Cleve Dean thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow. The air was... <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. I've uh, I've heard a lot of things in, in press. I've never heard of somebody having heat with a bear. Like, that is like a new kind of phenomenon. Oh, I, brother, I'm, I mean... That I, he wanted he, it was furious when I mean beat my ass it was about two weeks before I, I felt right and I uh, my chest there was just marks all over it from his because when he jumped up and took his nose then his paws would hit me first and his, his nose come boom and I, I think I, I remember taking like three or four of them and then that was about it Concussion, but like that. When I got home, my chest was just marred. It was just like that damn thing about killed me. Uh, so Fuck. we should talk. We should we should talk uh, pro wrestling. We've talked like our yeah. wrestling. We've talked bear sure. wrestling. No, that's fine. We got we do. <laughs> hey, but, hey. So yeah, but th- that was great, man. No, the fucking no, bear no, story no. is one of the greatest stories of all time. I don't give a fuck. That's fucking amazing. Hey, so Scott, like the the re like the reason like I wanted to talk to you. Well, one of the reasons I always want to talk to you um, is just because, man. Recently, we we lost Joe, and Joe. I mean, like Joe's bro warrior animal, man. And last time I saw him was the last time I saw you, man. And it just, you know. And it just made me think, man, like I actually reached out. I think I probably reached out to the wrong number, but just like after that happened, just to fucking just, man, we never know, man. 
Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, I was with Joe, not, you know, maybe a month earlier and, uh, it sucks. I mean, too many guys, you know, and yeah. Young, and, you know, that's has a lot to do with my thinking right now is, you know, coming out of the business and trying to take care of myself a little bit better, you know, and I, I just, you know, too many guys, man. It just all of our brothers from up there in Minnesota. You know, it just it's it's tough. Yeah, always a shock, you know, because I was around Joey. He looked great. He was fine. You know, happy, big laugh. Always. Yeah, he was tramp. Like he he was like you know he looked like he was in shape and yeah. just yeah. You know, and uh, but I think he had some underlying heart issues that he he made mention to me before. We, t- we spoke about it and pretty recently too. And I, I didn't think that they were, you know, that serious. Cause I remember we're in Vegas. It was he and I and uh, Mark Henry. And that was the first time I got to meet Mark and uh, oh, wow. outstanding dude. He is man. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, you know, we had a great weekend that weekend and uh, you know, Bishop was there and Sonny Ono and Samu. I mean, uh, no, not Samu. Uh, Rakesh? Ming, Ming and, you know, it just was oh, oh. Okay. a great weekend. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden, boom. You know, and I haven't heard anything, you know, what happened or, you know, and I'm assuming it's, you know, underlying heart issue or something. But, God dang it, man. It's just yeah, much, too much, too much. And, uh just got to take care of us. We got, you know, this one needs to happen with us. We need to take care of ourselves and each other in this business. Because all I see now is people, you know, this shoot here, this shoot here, this guy complaining about this guy. Forget about that shit. That's our business. That's, that's our work. That's confidential shit. You know what I'm saying? You agree? You understand what I'm talking about, Sean? Yep. And I, you know, it just bothers me, you know, because I, you know, one thing that's been cool lately is I've been seeing Scott Hall on Facebook and Instagram, and he's talking about, about Kurt, how great it was with Kurt, and yeah, oh, he's doing positive things, and I'm going, where the hell's that been? You exactly. Know, they're, they're, we had jobs that were freaking awesome, and we had times together that were. Unmatched. Amazing, right? Yes. Like we the best times anyone could ever have. We got to do what we loved. And now you gotta go back and bury this guy or and I'm talking from the top brass that who we worked for all the way down to the bottom. And the and the bottom ain't the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, just the bottom rung, whatever. I'm not saying but you know, and the old school dudes, man, you know, Harley Race, he never said a peep. You know, guys like that, you know, the, the the guys that paved the way for us, you know, I'll never bury, you know, I mean, I got, I, I did an interview recently, maybe a year or so ago, and the, and the guy asked me a question, you know, he's trying to get, you know, to do this shoot, and I told him I don't, I don't do shoot interviews, and he, he just asked me, he says, well, how tough a guy is Ming? And I said, you know, I'm getting tired of that, that question. <laughs> Same old fucking questions. Well, I've, I really heard he's, 
And I said, he is. He's the toughest guy I know. But he's also about the best person I've ever met. How about the dude who Ming is? How good of a man Ming is? How good of a friend he is to all of us? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm tired of that. And, you know, we we, we were very fortunate, you know. And, and you know, it's it, it was a great run for us. You did phenomenal. had a phenomenal career, Sean. Still are. And, you know, why why put a a, a a bad light on yourself because you got a bitch about some other guy or something happened here or there? Shit, that's yesterday, man. Yesterday, man. Live for tomorrow. Just yeah. move forward. You know, and 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 that, there's a lot of guys that there's really- a cottage industry almost, um, Scott, in in the putting out the negativity. Like there's oh. there's shows that like. Their main thing is they bury shit, and and it's just and 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 it works, man. They get numbers, fucking people listen, and it's sad. I don't do that, man, and and um and I fucking it's I I won't, man. I don't care how much how many more fucking viewers that I can get. I just I don't like that fucking negative vibe. And the thing about it is, you got a conscience, you know. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, I did a couple shows. I'm not gonna say the names of the shows. But I, I'll promise you that the two shows I'm talking about, 80% of it never happened. Yeah. And I'm just going, yeah, night, man. I mean, and it's just, you know, and it's, it's it, you know, they based, they're based on the negativity. I know you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go into all that. Like, that was one of the things I told Nick. I said, look, man. Like we don't want to bring any of that. If if Scott wants to talk about anything, he can bring it up. Oh uh, yeah, but you know, I, and the thing about it is, I'm not going to put anybody over that line. You know, I'm not going to share a, any kind of. Uh, I'm not going to put any light on them. But you know, and it's wrong. And you know, but again, you got people willing to broadcast things that don't care how they hurt people or what kind of story they tell. They don't care if it's true. They just want to be the first one to, to get it out there. And just for their simple fact, they want ratings. And, you know, and, you know, and it's my fault for doing the second one where I didn't think that what would happen happened because it turned, you know. But, no, but the guys, you know, we need to take care of each other better, you know. And, and I'm not saying that we don't because the guys do, man. I mean, I got friends in this business that are lifelong friends that I do anything for. And, and, but there's certain people that are just, I don't understand it. I just don't, you know, they're not getting any. It's a sad way to be, man. Like, honestly, like if people are always in that state of mind, man, that's no way to live, man. No, no. And, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree completely. You know, you should be grateful for what you had, what you did, what you got to do for a living. And and you just think you know, I think of some of the times that me and Tammy had in Japan, what that office did for, for us. I mean, they brought my wife to Japan 15 different times. They'd hand me a first-class ticket. Bring Tammy back. I said, Scott. Oh. Tammy been to Japan more times than I have. <laughs> <laughs> 25 tours. But you know, I wanted to make sure I was okay with, with my, you know. And the times we had over there, you know, I mean, the friendships I have – that's cherished. 
And I had the same thing with guys here that you couldn't yank any. I, I just, I don't understand it, you know. And if you got to, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just. I get it, man. I know exactly where you're coming I, from, Scott. It's, it's I, frustrating. It is frustrating. Uh, if we could, I'd like to kind of maybe uh, hopefully wrap up on like a more positive note. We uh, we recently had uh, Conan on the show and uh, we're just celebrating the 25th anniversary of the NWO. And uh, a point you made, Sean, when we were talking to Conan is like what Conan brought to the NWO. And in that same breath, you also said and like what guys like Scott brought to the NWO. And I kind of put that away in the back of my head because I wanted to kind of follow up on that. So like, Sean, tell Scott, tell yeah, man. everybody out there, what do you like? What do you feel Scott brought to the NWO that really helped and was very important? I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, first of all, Scott, like, hey, man, um, you know, the NWO got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and I was lucky enough to be one of the guys inducted up there. And there are so many other guys that deserve to be up there. Uh, if I did, not saying I didn't deserve it, but a lot of other people did too, and you're one of them. Conan's one of them. Like, dude, you were the, like, man, especially, like, holding it down in Japan. Like, Yeah, Japan was, you Yes, know, man, it was huge, and you were a huge part of that. Like, yeah. the main part of it in, in, in Japan, in my well, opinion. That, that's the reason they put me in the NWO. And the thing about it is, you know, the NWO in Japan, it went off. Whew. Let me tell you a little, this is how over the NWO is in Japan. I wrestled my last match in Japan was 2017. I wrestled Peter Arts. He's a kickboxer. He's a world champion kickboxer. And he's and he's a big, strong dude that can go. But anyways, I'm wrestling for Anoki's company. Genome? IGF? Anoki. Uh, is, it was Anoki is whatever. Yeah. I can't remember. But anyways... Sean, it was sold out twelve thousand five hundred. They they cut the stadium down a little bit because they didn't think they could sell the whole thing out. But anyways, when I came out for the main event, the wrestlers cat, I look out there when I got in the ring, there was at least five hundred people wearing black and white NWO shirts. In two thousand seventeen, I couldn't. Oh, yeah. There was, I mean, it was just still man. They're all throwing it up there. It's too sweet. It's yeah. not, and that's twenty years almost after the fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, these people that that NWO went over huge in Japan, and Eric, you know, cut the deal with W or uh, New Japan, and I was the the guy that was gonna go back and forth. They were supposed to bring Muda, Chono, and a couple other guys a lot more, but they couldn't. New Japan wouldn't let them come. Sure. Going so strong over there. The numbers that they did in New in New Japan were never even approached before. It was that insane how over you know it was you see you know how over it was here. Yeah. When we first went there, when I first started touring in Japan, it was awesome. I'd get off the plane, and this is before COVID, 9-11, and all that. And right after you get off the plane, there'll be reporters. As soon as you get through, right? As soon as you walk out that thing, when you get through customs. And you start doing yeah. start doing little interviews and everything. 
when we come through customs this time and we come out the door, the whole freaking airport was black and white, NWO, and there was 500 reporters there. It was unbelievable. Wow. And we're, I mean, it's just like, and the cameras, and I'm just going, holy shit. I said, I, I had no idea. So I get through all that. I get to the hotel, the Keogh Plaza lobby, full NWO fans. Just, and this is the night before the tour. So anyways, the next morning, I wake up, go downstairs to eat, no big deal. I come down to get on the touring bus. We all, you know, we take touring buses over. It's a little different travel than as the States here. I come downstairs, the lobby is just slammed. Everybody, NWO this and that. So I get through that crowd, head out to the bus, and they take, we got this giant touring bus. It's a beautiful bus. And they got a $100,000 paint job on this thing, NWO paint job, with all the boys' pictures and everything. And from that moment on, man, they, they did more merch and more sell shows were sold out it was unbelievable never stopped never yeah. so yeah i was japan and you know the, the one thing about my commitment to japan i missed out a lot of really cool shit here and but that's all right you know because my that's where my heart was that's where that was my territory where it fit me perfectly that i was made for there not as much here with my style but, I know. remember, I remember the first time you showed up over in Japan, in, in Japan, man. Like, I think it was, was it Hashimoto, the first guy you fucking took, took out over there? The first guy I took out was, uh, Kinski and, uh, Kinski, yeah. no, it was a six man tag. It was me, Bad News Brown and Brad Reagan's and a six man, uh, like, yeah, yeah. the, the tag team champions and Ricky Choshu. And they had me in the locker room, and they says, if you clothesline somebody, I want their head in the 10th row. Kill them. If you slam them, break the ring. They're just getting me all fired up, but I'm going, oh, yeah. shit. So I start the match. I got Kinski knocked out. Hossie's laid out over here. And Choshu's like, oh, my God, don't touch me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Bad News grabbed me, and Brad tagged. And I'm on the apron, and uh, Bad News goes, you might want to settle down a little bit. He says, we got to we gotta do a 20-minute match here. He says, we only got one guy left. And, <laughs> but that's the, the mentality. That, and that went on for a couple of years, brother. And you were so, like, you, I mean, you were over immediately, man, like, and, and stayed over the whole fucking time. I, I, I to took this care, day. I took care of my Japan deal. You know, and Masa, hey, I just want to bring Masa up, man. We got to, we got to, we got to send our love to, to Masa, man. Masa Saido, he's the one that brought me to New Japan too. So, yeah, um, yeah man, that's the coolest dude ever. The most honest person that's ever been in this business. Handshake that he, he says, Scott, you trust me, and I says, I do, Masa, and he says, I'll take care of you. Just trust me. Decisions going to be made. I'll take care of it. We'll, 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 you'll be fine. And I tell you what, everything he said, he asked of me, I did it. Everything, everything. 
I never questioned one thing my societal ever said. And, uh, yeah, that guy there, man, he made a commitment to me and he, he turned my life around. I mean, he gave me some that, uh, and that's why, you know, I started wrestling late. I was 28, 29 years old. And you're only as good as your availability to get, to get established. So I, I, I just wasn't going to miss matches and I didn't, but I, I, the style I was working was insane. It was so physical, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they hitting each other, you know you what I mean? Now your opponents though. <laughs> oh, them guys fire back, brother, because they did. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, they got, they, they got heart, believe me. And, oh, yeah. uh, it was a two-way street on that one, but I mean, you know, and, and I put myself through probably more than I should have, but you know, I wanted to get that spot and I got it and, you know, and then they took care of me for a long time. So, and you deserved it. Shit. They took I, care of you, you. You earned that shit. Man. Well, yeah, we all, you, you know, nobody's given nothing in this business. Nobody. I, I put you in, okay, I can say that, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and you got if you're gonna be one of their guys that they're gonna go to in these main events and you know big pay per views or dome shows and everything, you gotta earn it. You gotta bust your ass nonstop, and you gotta get confidence. All the boys you're gonna work with, you gotta prove that you can do it and and, and consistently do it. And it's it's hard. But, you know, and then it's a credit to you, you know. I mean, you, you you finally make it, you get there, and it's it's an awesome place, man. I mean, yeah, uh, and what a business, you know. I mean, yeah. being part of these shows and. The camaraderie, man, like and just the, the relationships over the years. Oh, the like, it's the most, yeah, just incredible, man. The friendships I have in Japan are unbelievable, just insane. I can't wait to get back there. You yeah, know, I miss it. Yeah, it's been a long time. You know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really lucky, you know. I mean, first off, I get this great opportunity with Japan, and it worked phenomenally. I mean, I came in, I was the guy that was going to move Vader out of there. And that's what happened in their eyes. Vader was gone. I was coming there. And then a few short, you know, three, four years later, deal with WCW pops up, you know, and uh, NWO, and that springboarded. I mean, that didn't hurt nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the, the popularity. People don't really understand how popular the NWO was over there. And you know, it was uh, their merchandise sales was insane. Absolutely. Yeah, as big as it is, as, as big as it was here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. You know, and the thing about it, uh, not as okay. Put it this way. For volumes of shows, I mean, every Monday, Thursday night, we sold, I mean, it was just gone, sold, no matter what. They didn't run as many big shows as, you know, their TVs comes on at 4 o'clock in the morning for a half hour. They do by magazine and by yeah. live shows. Yeah, it's crazy. They they, they, they promoted, like, the TV was, wasn't even a big deal uh, for Japanese wrestling promotion. It was all through the magazines and everything, yeah. yeah. As soon as the red light turned on that TV, them guys went freaking crazy. They, they were ready to die. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, just you know, so New Japan. I mean, uh, the NWO was absolutely monstrous here, but it was right there over there also. And That's Scott, hey man, like I'm honored. I'm honored to have been in NWO with you, man. Oh, me too, man. And we what a run, what a great time. Yeah. Do you remember? We're in Iowa someplace. I can't remember riding that dumbass garbage truck out in the cold. Yeah, Cedar Rapids. <laughs> yeah, fucking eighty degrees below zero out. Huh. That's the only time I didn't what want to rip. Be- oh. <laughs> like why would like that's why I was like, why would we do this? If we're I'm, fucking so cool, why would we fucking roll in on the back of a garbage truck in eighty below wind chill? I mean, it that, didn't even look cool. <laughs> it looked fucking I, stupid. You were absolutely you couldn't touch any metal unless you uh, had, stuck to the fucking. I, I, <laughs> man, but that, that's all right. Those man, are the, that, those are the days, brother. That garbage truck entrance has come up several times on the show so far. It is incredible like, how that has resonated. You know, like the one show we did when the Hell's Angels came in with us, so that was cool. You know, but the garbage truck one, who's that? I don't know. Did he come up with that one? Yeah, I, probably. It might have yeah. might have seemed better. You know, sometimes we envision things, and, you know, the way it turns out, from the nowhere like we envisioned it, maybe that's right. what happened. If, if it makes you guys feel better, uh, Eric's WWE career did end with him being put in a garbage truck by Vince McMahon. So in the end, the garbage truck did eat Eric. So, okay. uh. <laughs> well, hey. okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just want to thank you, man. Like oh, for giving bro. us your time today. Scott. John. Like, I just really wanted to like catch up with you and, and, you know, like, especially, you know, like I was saying after Joe passed, it was just something I really wanted to do, man. Just to talk to you. John, that, you know, Losing guys is a hard thing in this business, but you know, I was so when he when Nick got in touch with me, I said, "Man, you know, there's guys that have never let me down in this business, and you're one of them. You've always been straight with me. You've always been a, so respectful. As I, you know, I was I'm a little bit pretty much older, quite a bit older than you are, and I'm I'm proud as hell of the, what you've done in your your, Thanks, your and and where you've come and and where and what you ended up being as an individual." professional wrestler, the whole package. You're a great guy. And this is important to me that, you know, I anytime I get stay in touch with, you know, through, and expe- especially we can tell our stories to the people and, you know, this is cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah man. I do. I always really looked up to you, Scott. Like, I, I, I hope you know that, man. Yeah. And you've always treated me that way too. And, yeah. and you've always been so respectful and such. And then, and it's really cool, you know, and, and you know, I, I've always tried to treat the guys right and be cool, and uh, it's not hard, and it's yeah. really a guy like yourself. And I don't know one, I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about Scott Norton. I don't. I mean, maybe there are people out there, but I personally don't, Scott. That's cool. And if they did say something bad, I'd have a fucking problem with them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm, there got to be a couple. <laughs> well, sure, I, but you know, we I, I remember uh, I was in I was in the locker room one time, and these guys walked. Two guys walked in, and we're in like upper someplace in Connecticut or something. And they're reading on the, who they're wrestling. It was they were 
they're wrestling me and ice train. The guy goes, I wrestle. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> he ain't a fan of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Game Show portion of Pro Wrestling for Life. It is me, Nick Hausman, the host here of the Game Show each week on Pro Wrestling for Life. And this week, we got a slam banger lined up for you. First coming to the show every week goes head-to-head with one of the greatest minds in the business or fans, whatever, anybody we want to put them up against. It's two-time Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer, Sean X. Pac Waltman. Sean, welcome back to the Game Show. What's up, Nick? What do you have for me today? Well, Sean, you know, uh, there's been so much talk about the business of the business uh, here recently. I wanted to bring on somebody we could maybe pick their brain a little bit about, and then we could play a game maybe about the business. And for that today, we welcome to the show Forbes' Alfred Kanawa. Forbes' Alfred Kanawa. Alfred, welcome to the wrestling, uh, the Pro Wrestling for Life uh, podcast here today. Hello. Good to be here. It's an honor to be in your presence, Sean Waltman, two-time Hall of Famer, so it's great to be here. Very excited. What, what's up, Alfred Kanua? How are you, man? Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Um, before, like, uh, when did Forbes start covering wrestling regularly? Oh, I want to say around 2015, 2014. Um, they decided, you know, they kind of took the Bleacher Report model, because I was at Bleacher Report, and then okay. my editor kind of got whisked away to go to Forbes and kind of create a similar thing to where they cover sports. So they started right. a sports money imprint. And part of that was wrestling because they would see how popular it was, how underserved the wrestling audience is. And it was really ended up being a great pairing because, you know, the business of wrestling to a lot of fans is just as important as what goes on in the ring. It's interesting though, because you say back in 2015 and like the, 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 the industry hadn't really started buzzing again yet, right? Like, you know, right. like this current thing that's going on, this boom. Some people don't want to call it a boom because it's not the same boom as, you know, previous booms, right. but it's a boom nonetheless. Um, so, uh, but yeah, man, it's just weird. Like it, they started covering it regularly before the, like all this stuff started really happening, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the first major shift was that was around the time the WWE network was starting. Yeah. So that was the first major change in the way WWE does business to where they were going away from pay-per-view, which was their bread and butter once upon a time. And so that became the big business thing is WWE network. And then of course, now we're in this era where it's all about television content. So they're not even doing the live events as much. It's all about making money through TV deals and whatnot. So very interesting times over the past few years. And to your point, very much so. The business has changed. There hadn't been as much booms in terms of mid-2000s, mid-2010s. Yeah. And then now it's definitely changed in terms of the money that's coming into wrestling. And, you know, like you're talking about the, the changes, you know, WWE made then, you know, with the with the network and all that. And the thing about WWE is as long as I've been, like, you know, uh, connected with them, since 1993 um they've been they've been amazing at, at being able to change and uh contract and expand and you know survive whatever comes their way you know um and you know before the before they went public so right. and then you know during you know the the ipo and all that you know um uh you know that changed everything and you know i guess is that what really put them on forbes's radar um, I think Forbes is always, I think what really put them on the radar is the amount that the audience consumes. I think they were pleasantly surprised at the metrics in terms of how loyal the wrestling audience is. Uh, but in terms of Forbes radar, in terms of how Forbes can cover them, yes, definitely things like that. The IPO, 
how much they're interested in the stock price. Once upon a time, that stock price is at like $100 per share. Yeah. And just the fact that it's a billion dollar company, it's really, even though it's wrestling and people tend to look at wrestling as like, quote unquote, the bastard stepchild of entertainment, it's on the level of like a Fortune 500 company or Disney. Absolutely. If WWE was to sell today, it'd be one of the biggest business stories, not wrestling stories, one of the biggest business stories uh, of the year, uh, let alone of the decade in terms of how much that thing would go for. And it'd be on the level of a Disney or whatnot. Jesus, Alfred, I don't even want to get into like what, like the, uh, the sale, like, yeah. I, like, we'd be here all day long talking about that. You know, well, for sure, there's so much going on there. Can I ask you real fast, Alfred? What do you, what do you think of Nick Khan? Like, you know, fans have a real emotional attachment to the company and to like the people there, so they see his moves differently, right? Than I would think maybe business people. How, how, what do you think of the work Nick Khan? is doing right now for WWE. And that's a great way of putting it, Nick. I think Nick Khan as an executive is phenomenal. I think he's a tremendous executive in terms of somebody who's brought in to do a job, to make deals, to you know create these uh, big partnerships with WWE as he's done with Peacock and brought in another billion dollars. You still see it with what he's doing with the MLB. He's got all these deals going with WWE merchandising deals. And he's doing a good job of what he was brought in to do. He used to be an agent, and his big thing was that he helped WWE secure that Fox deal for a billion dollars, and he just continues to do that. And I don't want to say that he's a figurehead because he does have influence in this company. But having said that, like if Nick Khan isn't doing this job in terms of what WWE's current direction is and cutting the fat for whatever reason they're doing it, somebody else would come in and do it. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with Vince McMahon. So I'm not one of these yeah. people who has this emotional attachment to where I'm getting mad at Nick Khan in particular every time something goes wrong in WWE. But having said that, from an executive standpoint, you know, it does suck to see so many wrestlers, even when you know and you've contacted some of these wrestlers and just know that they're humans with families. It sucks to see them released to their job. I never want to see that. I'm not advocating for that. Hey, but man. from an executive standpoint, if we're just talking business, Nick Khan, he's not even been there for a year and he's done one of the best jobs of any executives that I could think of. And that's crazy because I was a big fan and I told you on your podcast, Nick, of Michelle Wilson and George Berrios, I thought we're the MVPs of WWE once upon a time. And somehow Nick Khan's doing even better. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. So like, that's the thing when, when, when they decided to uh, become a publicly traded company, like, like I don't want to say deal with the devil, but like, there's a there it changes right. Yeah. You are beholden not to the uh, to the fans. You're beholden to the stockholder. You know, yeah. and I mean, oof. I mean, Can sometimes I, that doesn't go well. Yeah, you know, obviously. One thing I wanted to bring up here while we have you, Alfred, and, and before we get to this game was, you know, one thing we we I've definitely talked with you about at length is. The uh, t TV negotiating uh, or the TV rights fees that are going to be negotiated here when the Fox and the USA deals come up and what is like 2023. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So AEW's gaining momentum right now. All right. Um, there seems to be more interest in just pro wrestling in general, right? This past Friday night on cable wrestling was number one and on network with right. SmackDown was number one, right? Does all of this competition, does the momentum of AEW, does it help WWE when it comes to negotiating these TV rights or hurt them, you think, when 2023 comes around? I think it's definitely, I mean, I think it's going to help them. Um, in terms of having competition, the only way it would hurt is if one of these uh, people who are bidding on them, whether it's an NBC Universal or Fox or whatnot, sees AEW and decides, well, they're doing a great job of 18 and 49. We can get them for pennies on the dollar or whatnot. But I don't necessarily think that would hurt WWE because for a lot of people bidding on WWE, it's WWE or bust. 
in terms of the amount of content. That's what the thing about AEW is AEW doesn't have that library that WWE has to monetize all that content. So when it comes to 2023, I expect WWE to come up huge. And that's when all the cards are going to start putting on the table because we're hearing a lot of evasive talk from WWE. If you ask them about a sale, like we were saying, they're, ah, we're open for business, but we don't know. But I think at the very least, NBC Universal will make an offer by then because it only makes financial sense to, they, to do that if they already have most WWE programming under their umbrella. So if Fox is on the outside looking in and they decide they want to still be in the wrestling business, that could be an interesting thing of them trying to compete with Turner to get AEW. So I think it would be best for AEW in terms of having a bargaining war, but I don't think it'll affect WWE as much. What do you think, uh, Alfred? What, I mean, what does your gut tell you? Are they getting ready for a sale? It, yes, my gut tells me that at the very least there will be an offer. It, it only makes sense. Uh, they raised the stock really- price as soon as Nick Khan said, "Hey, uh, we're you know we're on the market." Like, the, was the stock went up a dollar and change or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime that's talked up, yeah, yeah, that's very, very common. And I can just absolutely see, just in terms of business sense, you're going to save if you're NBC Universal. Do you want to keep doing these leases for two, three billion dollars at a time, mm-hmm. and then over a course of ten years, now you've, you've spent like you know thirty million dollars or whatnot? Or do you want to just offer what eight billion, ten billion dollars now, and then over long haul you're saving billions of dollars? Yeah, I, I I have to think Vince and the fam would stay attached, kind of like Dana White with the UFC deal. I just can't imagine Vince taking $10 billion and doing anything else. I don't know what he would do with that money. It's crazy. I, I don't think that it's – I don't I don't think that it's as uh, – okay, so it, there used to be uh, a viewpoint of the number one ass, – WWE's number one asset is Vince McMahon. Right. That used to be the – like. I, I, I think it's still the case, but maybe not like maybe not as much. I don't know. I would say WWE's number one asset in terms of marketing is to the, to your point, Sean, is really WWE the brand. The brand. You know? And so yeah, in some ways it's Vince McMahon because he's a public facing guy. And that's what's so scary about if you know, God for you know, he's hopefully gonna live forever because he's got great genes. But if he goes somewhere and he's not here anymore, there's gonna be a lot of concern in terms of that stock price going down of who's mm-hmm. gonna run that company. Right now, the answer would be a combination of Nick Khan and Triple H or whatnot, but there isn't that public facing heir apparent to Vince McMahon to Wall Street in terms of them knowing who's gonna run that right. company. But WWE, one of the big uh, shifts that they've made in their business is you know this better than anybody, Sean, is wrestling used to be built on the star. It's Hulk Hogan, it's the yeah. biggest star who draws, and when he's hurt, the business isn't as good, or when he's gone, when he's off TV, business isn't as good. It's really not like that with WWE anymore. It's They've built their brand, and it's not built around any one person. It's about television and marketing and how this brand and how strong it is. That's why WrestleMania is able to sell out before any matches are even announced. Because the brand is so strong, then that's what they use to market these TV deals. Yeah, uh, i I think that I think it's still important to build stars. I just don't think it's ever going to be that one guy again yes. or that one woman, right? Because they just there's so many people with so many such a variety of tastes and you know likes and dislikes. It's just I just think you know like um, you have to focus on one guy, like like we like we've done in the past. I mean, I I. I get it, man. I, yeah. I get it. I really do. But it's still like, and like the thing that I, I hear people say, it's not like, oh, they're not going to build any more stars. It's still important to build stars. Yes. I yeah. just don't think that they're not trying to build stars. Like maybe they just don't put all their eggs in one bat, you know, 
or how you want it. to put it, but you know, that's true. That's what I get the feeling is that they're not going to go all the way with somebody like you, you're seeing it now with Damian Priest and that exactly. Drew I was exactly who I was going to say. Exactly. Once upon a time, Drew McIntyre was invincible. They won a year without beating the guy, and he was built into a top star. Now you're seeing them pull back with Drew McIntyre, and, and and that's benefiting Damian Priest, who I think is on that same run right now. But Damian Priest isn't going to be the guy. He's just going to be the he's next be guy who's one of the top guys, years. and yeah. he's going to be he's going to have a Universal or a WWE Championship. Yes, I, I think soon. Yeah, I, soon. I pick him. I mean, if, if this may be too late, but maybe he'll win the Royal Rumble. I think he's got to be the favorite in terms of the Royal Rumble's only a few months away. He's got to be the favorite. Yeah. All I'm right. So happy for him. <laughs> I feel like a proud <laughs> papa. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, any any final business questions or comments you want for Alfred before we launch into this game, Sean? No, man. I just I, I, I appreciate you taking the time today, Alfred. It was a very enlightening conversation. I think. You know, um, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, hitting on different things than than our viewers and listeners are used to. And I think it's going to be really interesting for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And it's an honor to be here. I love Thanks, this show. Man. We should bring back Alfred every so often, maybe after the quarterly calls, we'll bring him on here. Hey, by the way, show. Alfred, are you out here in L.A.? Yeah, I am. Out here in Inglewood, California. Oh, okay. I'm right over here in Eagle Rock. Oh, awesome. I know where that is. It's great. Next to Pat yeah, right, yeah, right down the street from the Rose Bowl. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's a beautiful place. Okay. All right. Well, you guys could go get some some tea or whatever. Oh, yeah. Here, you know, enjoy yourself a little, little nice hot tea. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we got the game here today. Since you are our financial expert here, Alfred, today's game is called Show Me the Money. All right. Now, I have a series of questions here that are based off of uh, money somehow involved in, in WWE. All right. So these are all money-related pro wrestling questions. All but one of them is going to be multiple choice. Uh, to decide who goes first here today, the first person who could show me some kind of currency is going to get to go first. If anybody has any currency around, Alfred's going to Sean is up. He is up. What was that? Sean, what was that? Is a dollar? One dollar bill. One dollar bill. Okay. Well, Sean, you get to go first here. First question. During an infamous million-dollar man Wait, well, Wait, hold on. Tell me the rules again. So you just got to answer the question. That's it. I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Oh, I don't got So there's no suck it or too sweet or like, no, this, like that. Just a basic answer. It's a basic game. Right. I didn't, this isn't some, I'm not going to be judging. I had an idea for a judgment based game this week, but I thought this was more fun anyway. So this is all money based questions. So your That's first right. question here, Sean, uh, during an infamous million dollar man segment, he offered to pay a boy to bounce a basketball 15 times. How much did he say he was going to pay the boy if the boy was successful? Was it $100, $500, or $1,000? $1,000. I'm sorry. It's $500, Sean. It was $500 that I he I think offered. you're wrong about that. I Well, I went online I and I looked. Fact check. All right. Well, I went online. I looked it up, and it said $500, and, and that's that's what we're going with. You're wrong. Yeah, so, like, I mean, do you know who, like, who the kid was? Wasn't it Rob Van Dam? No, no, he grew up to be no, like it was slick. Kid. It was slick son. Oh, was it slick? Son? Oh, okay. Talking about I the basketballs. I think Rob may have done a different segment or something like that. Yeah, Not Rob, maybe it was some other kid. Rob uh, was the one with the toe in his mouth. I think he had to suck Ted DiBiase's toe. I think that oh, might be right. You shitting me? Yeah. Oh, okay, now I remember something about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great, great walk down memory Mel lane. Phillips. Okay. <laughs> okay, Alfred. <laughs> I don't know that, that 
We might cut the Mel Phillips joke. I don't know. All right, uh, Alfred, how much money did Vince McMahon buy WCW for? Was it two and a half million, five million, or twenty million dollars? I believe it was five million. Oh, that is incorrect. It was two and a half million dollars that Vince McMahon was able to buy WCW for. Yeah, it's wild, right? Yeah, I knew it was a low number, but okay, two and a half. Oh my God, a steal, dude. No, what do you want to say? You don't want to say anything? Okay, all right. Sean, who won the Money in the Bank briefcase in 2019? All right. Was it Otis, Baron Corbin, or Brock Lesnar? It was Brock Lesnar. It was Brock Lesnar. That was the year of the Brock box uh, for everybody out there that doesn't doesn't remember the old beatbox Brock did. All right, Sean up here, one to nothing here. Alfred, back to you. In 2007, what WWE Hall of Famer appeared on Raw and rained thousands of dollars down on the crowd? Was it Ted DiBiase, Hulk Hogan, or Donald Trump? That would be one Donald Trump. That is correct. Donald Trump, Hall of Famer, showed up, rained money down on everybody. We are tied one apiece. All right, Sean, on a recent WWE earnings call, who said the following about AEW? AEW is where they are. I don't know what their plans are. I only know what our plans are. I don't consider them competition like I would WCW back in the day. Nowhere near close to that. Was that Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, or Vince McMahon? It was Nick Khan. Uh, that was actually Vince. Vince said that about AEW. Yeah, believe it or not. So that's one-to-one still here. Uh, back to you. Now, Alfred, this is the one question that doesn't have multiple choice. You're either going to get it or you're not going to get it. So what name did Mike Rotunda, a.k.a. IRS, use when he was in WCW? Do you know the name? Don't tell me. I do know. Uh, don't tell me. Okay. If you don't get it, Wall- I'm going to get it. Michael Wall Street, right? No, it's not. It's close. Sean, do you know the name that that IRS went by in WCW? Well, something. Well, Michael Wall Street. No, that's what he said. It was uh, Michael Wall Street. It was Don't VK, tell me no. VK Wall Street is what it was. It was. VK Wall Street. I could have. I, I guess it was VK Wall Street. Michael Wall Street. I'm looking this up. That can't be right. Okay, wait, uh, Mike, wait, no. Well, Mike Rotunda. So wait. So all right. I have here VK Wall Street. Okay. But he did well, play. Can I have a point for that? Because- but no, but it is Michael Wall Street. I guess it was both. I guess he had like two names in WCW. I do remember seeing him introduced as Michael Wall Street. I'm going to give you both a point. I blew, I screwed the pooch on that oh, that's one. That's amazing. All right, two to two. All right, Sean, back to you. Darius Rucker owns one of Ric Flair's robes. How much did he pay for it? $10,000, $20,000, or $35,000? The blue and black one? Uh, I'm not exactly sure which robe it is. Although that would probably help inform the decision. Um, What was the... the It was $10,000, $20,000, or $35,000. It wasn't $10,000. It was going to... I'm saying... I'm thinking like... It was one of the... If it was $10,000, he got a fuck... He stole it. Uh, 20. Uh, it was actually 35. It was 35. Okay. It was expensive. You were right. Uh, Alfred, what was the price of one share of WWE stock this morning when trading started August 31st? $40.86, $51.77, or $62.24? I'm going to go with 62.24. No, it's 51.77. Oh, Good Lord. 
5177 the wwe stock opened up here today all right uh I'm Alfred from forbes and i i fucked up the question about what the <laughs> wwe stock price is <laughs> <laughs> i haven't invested in a while <laughs> that did be, that on purpose that can be yeah. your, your ringtone um all right uh sean <laughs> to you how much money did Andre the Giant win when he beat Big John Studd in his Body Slam Challenge at the first WrestleMania? Was it five thousand, ten thousand, or fifteen thousand dollars? This one I checked several times. I know this one's correct. <laughs> like ten thousand. It was fifteen thousand dollars. It was fifteen thousand dollars. All right, Alfred. Um, at hat. At which SummerSlam did Virgil, the king of meat sauce, beat Ted DiBiase for the million-dollar title? Was it SummerSlam 91, 92, or 89? 92. It was 91. It was 91. All right, Sean. uh, How much is the million-dollar championship estimated to be worth? 100,000, 500,000, or $1 million? What? How much is the (laughs) million-dollar championship that Ted DiBiase had, how much is it estimated to be worth? Is like, it a hundred- for real? Yeah. yeah. Who's doing the estimating? I don't know. I just looked this none up. Of, none of the fucking above. Okay. No. 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 no? Really me? wrong. No. Yeah, dude. It's got one little tiny diamond in the back of it, so they can say there's a real diamond in it. Get the fuck out of here. How much <laughs> is the million dollar belt worth? Million dollar. It's I. I read. I read. It was okay. Okay. Actually, I just like whatever he read is We're bullshit. Not, no, I just found. I found the actual one. I. I just double checked this here. I have the actual number here. I'm going to give you both a chance to guess how much the million dollar championship is worth. Whoever's closest is going to win because you're both tied to a piece. So this actually turned out to be a good final question because I did okay. fuck. I did fuck. Can I hear the multiple choice answers. No, no, it's neither of those three. It's neither of oh, those. Three. Sean, how much do you think the million dollar championship is valued at? What do you think the price is? Um, I'm going to say five thousand. It's not exactly, but I'm just going to go at five thousand because it might be a little bit more than that. All right, Alfred. How much do you think that it is worth? The original. I'm going to go with around twenty-five thousand. Yeah, Alfred's actually close, and this is from WWE.com, so take it for what it's worth. But the first, the original title is estimated in 1988 to have been uh, forty thousand dollars. Is what the actual title oh, is. Wow. Worth. So, hmm. so, so Alfred, it was a winding path. A little Andy Dufresne. I had to crawl through some shit to get here on the other side, but I feel clean now. Alfred, you are the winner here. You've beat Sean Waltman in a wacky game of show me the money. Uh, but more importantly, really enjoyed the conversation with you about the business, man. You're a really smart guy. You do a great job covering it. You get a lot of good access to man. You talk to players in the <laughs> business. The pro. You want to put over here real quick? couple people that you've talked to recently, maybe some interviews people would go check out with you? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed Nick Khan. I'm very proud of that interview. Uh, go listen to my interview with Nick Khan. I, I was at SummerSlam, so I got to talk to a bunch of people. Uh, you know, Drew McIntyre. I talked to Nikki Ash. You know, it's funny. I talked to Teddy Biasi. We were talking about that segment with a kid in the basketball. And yeah. I still got that question wrong because I thought it was $100. Uh, but uh, I talked to a lot of different people. Uh, this, just go on Forbes and look at some of the interviews that I've done uh, in recent, especially in the last week. Alfred, do you check out live wrestling shows in, in the Los Angeles area? Are you kidding me? I was at GCW a couple you weeks ago. You didn't see me time. over there? Yeah, yeah. The New Japan show was here in LA. I checked yeah. that out. It's great. Yeah. Did you see Sean at the GCW show or no? 
But I didn't see him like in person. Like I didn't uh, uh, be with him. But I, did, you didn't have a match or anything, did you? Oh no. No, no. no yeah, I, I, just, I got, I got in I just, after the first match, uh, but I did not see Sean there. But that, no, I got there. I, I was just there to visit, and I did a. Um, I sat in on some play-by-play. I was oh, the awesome. I was the color analyst. Okay. Yeah. Those maybe I'll see you around. Maybe I'll see you around here, Alfred. Maybe I'll see you around here. Definitely. Cool. I appreciate you coming on, man. All right, thanks for having me, you guys. It's a lot of fun. No problem. Thank you, Alfred. We'll Thank talk you to you. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode of Pro Wrestling for Life. Uh, I want to thank Alfred Kanua. I want to thank Scott Flash Norton for taking so much time to catch up with me today. Well, actually, you know, whenever we recorded, recorded it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I just want to thank everyone that takes the time to either come on the show or takes the time to watch or listen. Yeah, Who yeah. Who am I forgetting? No, you got everything. Uh, thank you all so much. Like I said at the top of the show, we got a couple changes coming around. You're going to get more content. You're going to get more access. We're going to engage you guys more directly in the open. I'm very excited about it. So we'll have some more updates here as the show goes along or shows go along. Uh, but that's it, man. I, I'm at Nick underscore Houseman. And if you're in Chicago this week, I'll be at Dynamite Rampage and All Out all at uh, the whatever the Now Center, I think it's called, the Sears Center. So come say hi to me if you see me. So that's it. Bye. See you guys. Bye, everybody.